Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, this is Phil Haugen coming to you from our training facility in Weatherford, Oklahoma. I want to thank you for joining us and uh, today what I'm going to be talking about is a couple of situations that happened to me yesterday while I was working some Colts and here recently we released our online training course Foundation and Fundamentals, our Colt starting course and yesterday there were a couple of situations that happened to me that that uh, kind of ironic, but they they really apply to to that course and to what we're talking about when you're when you're talking about working not only with colts but horses and just any horse in general. One one horse in particular that I have in training came from uh, came from another situation, and this horse had had bucked somebody off and. Uh, I think there had been a couple situations that were a little traumatic for this horse, um, and this horse is is pretty reactive, um, but he doesn't really want to be that way. He he wants to he wants to be a friend, and he wants he wants you to be the leader of his herd. But he's got triggers, and and all horses have triggers. There are things that trigger those reactions that that fight or flight instinct. And uh, so last week I'd had a really good week with this horse. We'd gotten several rides on him where he where he didn't buck when we saddled him. He didn't buck when I was riding him. He uh, and to be honest with you, when I first got him in, if he bucks like he did then, ever when I'm on him, I'm not sure I can ride him. That when he does it now, he does it with some authority, and it is it's. Uh, it's impressive to say the least and he's not a very big horse so yesterday by my round pen there's some little um i have some small pens that i'll have you know i've got four small pens right on the east side of my covered round pen and i can have four horses tied up in there the pens are are six foot tall um, and they're real safe and they're real small, which I like because small pens make it hard for a horse to get much momentum, a horse that's real bronchy. I think it, I think it actually helps a horse start to start to deal with that anxiety of being a little bit closed in. Um, you know, it just makes sense that if a horse learns to stand in a small pen, they may stand better when they're being hauled in a trailer or, uh, you know, led into a led into a small stall at some point when you're at a, you know, at a stopping point and you really don't have uh, many choices as to where to put them. You know, so I think there's a lot of advantages to that, to having my facility set up that way. Um, but anyway, so I took this horse out of that that uh, what I call them little holding pens, tied him up in the round pen, and uh, went to saddling him. And everything was going good. Now this particular day, I did not, I did not work him, sending him off, changing directions. 
I didn't move them around the round pin with my flag. You know, looking back, should I have? Maybe, but at the same time, at some point, this horse has got to get to where I can tie him up, saddle him, and he understands that, you know, that's not a mountain lion on his back. But what happened yesterday, I saddled him, and, and the, just the way I had him tied where and where my saddle was, I saddled him from his right side, which I had prepared him for that. He's been worked on his left side and his right side. I've worked him on his right side as much, if not more, than I worked him on his left side. So a lot of horses at first are pretty insecure on that right side, and, and he's a little insecure on either side. So I I worked with my blanket, put my blanket up there half a dozen, six, eight, ten times, you know, moved it around, threw it back up there, took it off, threw it up there, took it off, you know, repeated that until... I felt like he had, he was soft and accepting. I did the same with my saddle. Um, and, but when I stepped over to his left side, I, I dropped my cinches on the right side, which, which is when you sat, when you get to where you're in the habit of saddling one from either side, but when you saddle it on the right side, it's actually faster because you can, you can drop your cinches and walk around to the left side and you've only got you know, one step there is eliminated because when you saddle a horse on the right side, you know, and I throw my saddle up there, then I walk over, I drop my cinches, adjust them, and then have to walk back over to the left side to cinch it. So it actually eliminates a step. Now, this is the first time I had saddled this horse from the right side, but I had done a lot of preparation. But when I stepped over to the left side, something, something else spooked him and that saddle slid back just a little bit on his back and it wasn't very far, but it was just enough that that triggered that flight response and he immediately pulled back and lunged forward. And the saddle just fell down next to him and just uh, you know landed there next to his right hip. Well, you know, from a uh, from a preparation standpoint, could I have done more? Yes, definitely. I, could, I definitely could have done more, and I definitely could have averted that situation. But at the same time, that horse has to get over that being scared all the time. And, you know, so there are times in the training process where you prepare them and you do your preparation and you have them as ready as they can be and there's still going to be situations like that that happen that is why you always always have to be aware and paying attention and just like this situation it didn't cause um it didn't cause another bad situation to happen i mean it did scare the horse but at the same time, when that saddle hit on the ground there and, and that horse basically stood there and was almost not, I wouldn't call it quivering, but they were sure at the height of their awareness, you know, I just let that saddle sit there for a little while. And, and when I say a little while, I'm saying maybe a minute. And instead of going and picking the saddle up, I just went to that horse's head and went to rubbing on him. 
Pretty soon his head dropped, his jaw relaxed, he licked his lips. You know, I moved, I moved him over to where I could safely pick up um, the saddle and blanket, and right from where it was sitting, I picked it back up and put the blanket back up on him. And I went through that two or three times, and we had the same response. He, he did the same thing when, he, when I stepped around to the left side. He moved in a way that that saddle moved just a little bit, and he pulled back and lunged forward again. And he did it, did it I think, three times. And I just kept doing the same thing because someday somebody's going to do that. That horse is going to go home and someday somebody's going to saddle that horse from the right side. Now, a lot of times, you know, most people don't ever saddle a horse on the right side because um, it's awkward to grab the saddle with your left hand like you do with your right hand. Now, people that are left-handed, obviously it's not. But, you know, I just kept doing it from the right side because, you know, that was that horse was telling me and, and it was Monday morning. Okay. So the horse had had Sunday off and actually this horse had had Saturday off too, because we had went down to, to my daughter and my son-in-laws in Stephenville, um, late Friday night after I got done working and Bridget got home from school and, uh, we spent the weekend there and got back Sunday. So that he had had two days off. Well, there's going to be a lot of times this horse has two days off once he leaves my place, right? So I just kept doing it. Finally, you know, after about the third time, I stepped over to that left side. Now, every time, every time he would pull back and, and jump forward, the first thing I did was go to his head and neck and rub on him and reassure him that everything was okay. I, I didn't, I didn't run over to the saddle like I was mad and throw it back up on his back because when you do that, that human nature, um, just the way God made us, we're, we're so aggressive and human nature and years ago, that's probably what I would have done was just grabbed the blanket and started smothering him with it and throwing it up and back, throwing it up. And, and that's a, that's a form of desensitizing too. But what I've learned over the past you know, numerous years is the first thing I need to do is flip that switch from the reacting side to the thinking side. So by going up to that horse, petting on his neck, rubbing on his head, letting him be close to me. And then when I, when he would give me those signs where his head would drop, his mouth would relax. Then I knew we'd flip that switch back to the thinking side of his brain. And that's the first thing we have to do, because if I'd like with this horse in particular, if I just went and grabbed that blanket, he's still in the reacting side of his brain. He's still on guard. You know, he is his uh, defense mechanism is at its very highest. And when horses, the way a horse's brain reacts or how they work is they recognize, they, they identify a situation and they react immediately. The way our brains work, we identify a situation, we take a half a second to process it and then we react. And that's why horses um, react so quickly and that, that switch in their brain can, can flip just instantly. But after that, I saddled him, cinched him up, 
put my snaffle bit on him, let him move around the round pen, and then uh, then we took another horse and just flagged him and moved him around a little bit. He was good. I got on him, rode him, had a really good session. Um, he he doesn't want to be a bronc, but he's going to need help getting over being bronchy, if that makes any sense. I mean, he's, you know, trust and respect, confidence, they're so important. You know, this horse, this horse has some triggers in him that aren't going away today or tomorrow or the next day or maybe even next month or you know it, it's going to be a while it is going to be a while before those triggers um, are squeezed out by trust and confidence this horse has no trust this horse has no confidence you have to work really hard for him to trust you and be confident in you because his his defense mechanism is so so keen and so on point i mean he is ready at any moment to defend himself and and that's what that's what pulling and bucking are their defense mechanisms pulling back is is a is a panic you know that that's basically that horse panicking from being restrained and you know you always got to remember that uh when they do that they they are actually fearing for their lives I mean, they're, they're not just being, um, you know, a turd head, for lack of a better term. Um, horses do that. that. That's the way God made them so that they can survive in the wild. And, uh, you know, it, it, was just a, uh, it was just a good reminder to me how important foundation is, how important fundamentals are this horse i would have loved to have had this horse as a two-year-old to where i got to build that trust and confidence before it you know before something happened to where it got destroyed now with that being said don't think that don't think that things never happen here that destroy one's confidence sometimes things happen and i'm going to give you an example of this in a minute some things happen here that also destroy a horse's confidence and I have to rebuild it. And uh, that happened later yesterday evening. Um, I had one horse left to ride and it's a horse that we own. It's a horse out of a, out of our best mare and by streaking boondocks. And I've got a handful of rides on this horse and he's really doing good. Really, really nice colt. Well, Bridget was working her barrel horse um, out in the riding area which doesn't have any fence it's just a big worked up area and so i had boone out there and i was riding him around and just flexing him laterally flexing him vertically just doing some one rain stops well we have uh, my son wade and his girlfriend gentry they have uh, three dogs two of them are puppies and the dogs were out there with us and the puppies were playing and and we've got a corgi puppy named Gus, and Gus is not really a puppy anymore. Like he's got, he's he's about halfway to being a full-grown dog, and he's pretty athletic, and he's like a bull in a china closet. Well, he got behind Boone and got in Boone's blind spot behind him, and then came out to the side where all of a sudden 
you know, there wasn't anything there. And then all of a sudden there was movement there. Well, Boone reacted from that and he took off, you know, not smooth running off, but he was sure reactive and not listening to me. Well, then Gus thought we were playing. So Gus goes to chasing me and not chasing me, but just running behind Boone, not knowing. I mean, he thinks we're playing tag. Well, Boone, he's grabbing the bridle and he's getting him some gone. He, uh, now I had done enough one range stops with him that I did, I did get him stopped. And then, uh, then I went back to the arena and worked on one range stops the rest of the night to where I had a more controlled area because that one little incident, that one little incident destroyed a lot of the confidence that Boone had in me. And so rather than progressing, which I did make progress last night with him because of this situation, but because of that situation, even when I went to took him back over to the arena, our roping arena, and rode him in there when I'd ask him to kick into a lope. I mean, he wasn't just loping. He was kind of running like he was running scared. And I'd slide into a one-rain stop. And I'd let him relax. And I'd flex him left, flex him right. Then we'd go again, and he'd do it again. And pretty much the rest of the night, I was working on softening him and getting him back to listening rather than looking to see what was going to get him. And, and he's really... He's a very non-reactive colt, partly due to the fact that though I, I started him a little late, he's, he's uh, later in his two-year-old year. I should have started him last spring, but I was busy, and then my clinic started, and I was gone a lot, and, you know, same old story that everybody has, why you can't get to certain things. But, you know, with Boone, he's not reactive at all. I mean, I've had the flexion rig on him. He was good in a snaffle bit. He was, you know, he's been tied up a lot. He's been handled a lot. We've trimmed his feet. We've, you know, I've done his teeth. He's, he's, he's been handled a lot, but that was really the first time that I've really seen him be reactive like that while I was on his back. And like I said, I've just got a handful of rides on him, but you know, it's a great example of what can happen. I mean, I, you know, I have a pretty good idea of what I'm trying to do here, and I've got a pretty good program, but but it happens to me too, and it happened to me twice yesterday with those colts. Now, I rode several other horses that, you know, we got along great, but situations come up, you know, things happen, just like with Gus. Gus, Gus wasn't trying to chase that horse, but he thought when the horse spooked and we took off running, he thought we were playing tag and, and, you know, it's just a game to him. Well, when we rode out there with them dogs, I didn't even think about it. I, you know, they were over playing in the grass and, um, Wade and Gentry were gone and, you know, it's just one of those deals. Now, had it been, you know, had it been a horse other than Boone a horse, that's a little more reactive. That could have been, it could have been bad because, because Boone stopped and Gus didn't. I mean, I Bridget tried to call Gus off, but he's he doesn't listen. You know, so even I, as, as much experience, you know, as long as I've been at this, I've got 
I've got a good bit of experience. And even with me, you know, those situations come up and those situations happen. So you always, always, you know, don't take anything for granted is, is the main thing. The point that I want to get across today is, is don't, don't take it for granted. You know, when you understand, and I've encouraged, you know, I've talked about this before, but um, really do some research on how a horse sees and you will start to understand why some of those, why some of those uh, triggers happen with horses. I'm reading a book right now and when I get done with it, I'm going to, I'm going to do a podcast on it and talk about it. And it talks about the horses, horses brain and the human brain. And, and the contrasts in them and the differences. And it is very, very interesting. Um, it was a, it was a gift from Michelle Davey, um, who has a program up in Canada. And, uh, I'm, a, I'm actually going to be on one of her podcasts, uh, here in the future, but Michelle sent me that book for, after an interview that I did with her, um, as a gift. And it is, uh, you know, it's just a really, really interesting book. And it's here again, it's the same, it, it's the same thing that happens to me all the time. And the more I understand about the horse, the easier it is for me to train the horse or to help the horse understand the responses that I'm asking for and, and to ask for those responses in a way that is more understandable to them because when we get to that point, oh, it's just like the whole world opens up. It's just, uh, and I have to work on it every day and I have to remind myself of that every day. Uh, am I presenting this the best way I can or am I just forcing it on this horse? Now, you know, Ray Hunt told me long time ago, he said, you know, sometimes you're going to have to provide enough, you have to provide enough pressure to get the desired response. And, and something else he told me that I'll never forget, he said, sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. Meaning sometimes you have to work through a period where maybe there is some frustration, anxiety, uh, in that horse, but you have to stay with it, you know, as safely, stay with it safely till you get that desired response so that you can release. And that release, the release is what you teach. Um, this last weekend, I had a head horse of uh, errands that I took back, and in uh, that horse, uh, been to the final, wrote, been rode at the finals a couple, two or three years ago, and and he'd got to where, uh, and then Aaron's just had him for a short time, and the horse just wouldn't get in the back of the box with him and just started to freeze up. Well, when when that horse would freeze up, he he would get he would get locked kind of all over, and so like with him, what I did was just went back to doing simple simple level one 
foundation to finish exercises and, uh, and unlocking that horse and letting that horse get soft and doing it repetitively over and over and over again so that instead of thinking about hollowing his back out and locking up, he thought about listening. Well, he would listen to my bridle reins and listen to my legs. And when they start, when they're doing that, then that stimulates the thinking side of their brain. A horse is not going to lock up when they're using the thinking side of their brain. So if you get a horse that's freezing up, you get a horse that's locking up, that, that's, that's a form of a defense mechanism of theirs. Okay. So, you know, just like with that horse in particular, I did a lot of, I did a lot of hindquarter yields. Um, and the reason I did a lot of hindquarter yields is that if a horse won't unlock in its hindquarters and in its rib cage, I mean, to me, that's the start of the backup. You know, if I pick up on my left rein, I need my horse to disengage his hindquarters to the right, my right rein to the left. You know, I want when I pick up on that right rein and keep my right leg against that rib cage and take my left leg off, I want that horse's hindquarter disengaging. You know, instead of working on the backup, I just worked on one side at a time. And then when I was done, that horse had a really nice backup. When I took the slack out of the reins, he would get round in his back, balanced on his hindquarters, soft in his shoulders and his head and neck, and, and stay balanced on his hindquarters and get back. Well, like I told Aaron, you know, you might, um, if he goes to, getting sticky in the box or wants to spin out one direction or the other j just let him and then go to yielding his hindquarters back and forth you know if he wants to if a horse wants to spin their hindquarter out to the right in the box just pick up on your left rein and 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 let him yield that hindquarter around until you feel him soften in the face and get round in their back and then release and then set him back in the corner and collect them and and put your hand down. Um, you know, it's in today's world, the thing is, if you can't score, it's going to be really tough to be competitive. Going to be really tough to be competitive. And this horse is outstanding in the field. So confidence for the horse, but confidence for the rider too. You know, when you back in there on your horse in the rope and same thing you have to be confident that when you drop your hand you can go when you want to go you've got to be able to leave when you want to leave if you're having to back in there and, and try to second guess your horse or when that steer's ready and your horse isn't that's no good that is no good you have to be able to put your horse in the corners sit there relaxed and that horse is the the split second that calf or steers ready you got to be able to nod and drop your hand and uh and i and i really think he'll be able to on this horse now and and my point being here is with that horse the issues he had were just in fundamental horsemanship it wasn't with the box i didn't run one steer on him when i had him i just worked on fundamental principles and and got him back using the thinking side of his brain and building some confidence in understanding what what we want him to do and, and I think the end result is going to be really good so
you know, those are just some things that happened this week that I wanted to talk about. And I think those are things that all of those situations are things all of us are going to deal with at some point. Um, so I just wanted to touch on those and, uh, want to thank everybody for listening. Our, our, uh, listeners and our downloads keep, um, increasing every week and it just blows me away. I can't believe people even want to listen to what I'm talking about, but, uh, um, we appreciate it. Um, have a great week of training, have a safe week of training. Um, just try to get that 1% better today. Just, just be, be the best you can be today. Okay. Just, just that little bit. Um, God bless you. Have a safe week. Have a great week. And as always, be your best. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn more about the training methods discussed in today's episode, head over to philhaugenhorsemanship.com slash courses and check out our virtual training programs. Inside these programs, you can access tons of exclusive training footage from groundwork and cold starting to the foundation level one, two, and three exercises that I teach at all my clinics. In each program, you're going to get lifetime access to step-by-step video lessons, training workbooks, and tons of bonus training footage that you can watch anytime, anywhere from your desktop or mobile device. And if you enroll as a VIP, you'll also get to join me for live coaching sessions each month where I'll be answering all of your questions and giving you personalized feedback on your horsemanship journey. As a VIP, you'll also get a chance to hear from other students in the program and learn from their experiences in our private online training group. Enrollment for these programs is open right now at philhaugenhorsemanship.com courses. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you inside our online training community soon.